an effect that we do. We do force speed a decent amount in our uh, yeah in our short film. And what we do quite literally for that, we have a leaf blower guy <laughs> that we are going to credit as the leaf blower guy in our credits of our film. And so what happens is he's off camera, obviously, and then when we book it, uh, when we go into the force speed, um, yeah. obviously we'll speed the clip up so it'll look like we're running, you know, five times faster than we actually are. And the leaf blower right. guy is quite literally just blowing the dirt on the ground past our characters. So it looks like that's awesome. Picking up a ton of dust and dirt as they're running super fast. Welcome to Death Watch, the Star Wars podcast from a galaxy not so far, far away. I'm Mike Bennett. And today, I'm joined by filmmaker and friends of the show, Richard Fusco and Chanel Renee, to talk about their upcoming Star Wars film, Balance of the Force. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so why don't you both um, give us a, a quick introduction for how you guys got into Star Wars, where you started with the franchise, and, and what that has meant to your life. Sure thing. So Star Wars has sort of been my ride and die. Um, I got into the franchise when I was probably about five or six years old. Um, my older cousin, who's about 10 years older than me, used to give me all of his old Star Wars action figures. And that really launched me into all of this because it was so fantastical. Yeah, We used to have lightsaber fights outside. He was the one that showed me all the movies. Uh, the, he took me to the prequel movies in the theaters when they were coming out. And truthfully, it's kind of just been my obsession ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in terms of me, I've always kind of been like generally into all of the fandoms, nerd, anything. Yeah. So I've been, I was pretty equal part Star Wars, Harry Potter, Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, all of the above, Lord of the Rings. Sure. And then honestly, when meeting him uh, and working with him, the, the Star Wars has kind of risen higher in my ranks. Um, just you're welcome. <laughs> just the pure amount of content I've like dove into because like I've always loved Star Wars, but I think the last year or so I really dove into like the lore, the content, yeah. And it's so fascinating and so extensive. You can never, honestly, I don't think you can read all the extensive um, background on Star Wars. It's it's so vast. It's hard to grasp all at once. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of me. I and I love it now. I'm equally as obsessed. I would say <laughs> that's awesome. So we when we have guests on, we like to ask uh, what your three favorite movies are, and then what your least favorite movie is. Three okay. favorites. Well, that, that's pretty easy for yeah. me. I'm I'm an original trilogy guy through and through. Um, okay. Return of the Jedi has always been my favorite, um, just because Luke Skywalker is not only my favorite character in Star Wars; he's pretty much my favorite fictional character of all time. Uh, he yeah. is just the pure embodiment of the hero's journey and to see his story, you know, come to full culmination at the end of return of the Jedi. Um, I think it was beautifully executed. Um, you know, yeah. despite some yub nub Ewoks, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think just the original trilogy as a whole, I would always answer the question. If you could take three movies on a deserted Island, which would you take? I would just say the three original mm -hmm. trilogy movies, um, Nice. In terms of my least favorite one, we might have the same least favorite. Oh one. man, it's uh, guys, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, it's not. Mine's Rise of Skywalker, I, and I never thought okay. I would say anything after the Last Jedi, truthfully. Um, yeah, uh, but Rise of Skywalker. The thing that I can't, that I dislike about it so strongly, is that they just retconned things from the Last Jedi. And as a creative sure. person, as an artist, I wish that 
you know, JJ, I wish that he kind of like, you know, he acknowledged that this was not the way that I wanted my story to go. Clearly it took a sharp left turn, but instead of, you know, trying to roll with it, trying to like, you know, adapt and sort of come up with something cohesive. I feel like they were just retconning left and right. Um, Chris and I, Chris and I have always said it would have been, if you had to bring back Palpatine, they should have at least done it at the end of the last Jedi as they're like, they all get onto the millennium Falcon, um, after Ray force lifts all the rocks. And as they're like celebrating and, and flying away, you hear over the, the comms, the, the evil laugh of the emperor and you realize, oh, he's back as opposed to chucking him into the yellow like <laughs> text at the beginning of the movie yeah and actually give him like an on-screen uh appearance of some I kind but you. Yeah, yeah i just think i think the movie was way too fast i really disliked the editing in the movie um i i didn't like how they were just throwing in new characters in the last movie of this you know star wars saga i thought that was yeah I, I don't. I just wish that there were there were so many moments that I wish that we got from our original trilogy characters that we didn't get yeah. in the, the sequel trilogy as a whole. You know, I, I wish that we got a reunion of all of our old heroes. Uh, yeah, Luke had a better storyline. Yeah, we'll get into that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. At least we got Luke and the Mandalorian. Oh my god. Um. So how about you, Chanel? Um, I'm also an original trilogy, but we we have a different order. My favorite is my top favorite's New Hope. Um, okay. I just love the. I, I I'm really big on origin stories. Anything where yeah. you see like a hero coming into um, their new normal, I really find interesting. Um, and then obviously the rest of the original trilogy, I just think they're so well done and visually, John Williams like all of it. Um, my least yeah. favorite is. Is the, the Last Jedi? Okay. Um, yeah. Because for me, I came out of that movie being like, okay, I don't think I watched a full movie. I watched like three mini episodes, um, mm. and that's yeah. why I was upset because I was like, these three stories are happening simultaneously, but but they're not connecting. I feel like I'm just flashing from one storyline to another storyline to another storyline, and I don't know what to yeah. care about. Yeah. You know? There, we 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 just talked about it in the last episode about sort of some of the. We, we we looked at it because we we uh, Chris and I both feel that it's our least favorite as well. But we tried to review it with a positive perspective of what is good about it. And there's so many parallels even to the Empire Strikes Back with like the infinite mirror where Ray sees herself, or like the the Force, the dark cave, and um the even the Canto Bite sequence feels like uh, the Cloud City sequence. But um it just like it doesn't ever quite hit the mark the way uh, at least the originalists would have liked it to, to be, but yeah, I, it is what it is. Obviously. I agree. Yep. <laughs> so um, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what your project, what the balance of the force is, um, what, how you came about the project and yeah, let's start there. Yeah. Well, thanks. So balance of the force is a, is going to be, it's in production right now, a star Wars fan film, it's a short film as well, so we're probably going to clock in around the 20 to 25 minute mark. Hopefully 20 um, And it, ha- it certainly has its own interesting story origin itself. Um, it's um, all original characters, so there, you won't be seeing any pre-existing Star Wars characters. It's as if like we take this broad galaxy and we found new characters who are living their lives parallel to everything else that's happening. Sure. Um, it started out um, our third uh, main uh contributor 
Kian, I guess. Core team member. Our, our third, our core team member. Um, he, he, he's really good at editing um, his special effects. And he came to us one day. He's like, guys, you know, I'm actually pretty decent at lightsabers, you know, at plugging it in. I like to go frame by frame. I don't really just like to use like a general plug-in. Like, I want to make sure that it's good. And Will you, you guys know, do a fight sequence for me? Right. And then it, it, we started choreographing a little fight sequence, which then turned into, well, we want to give it some context, right? We want to, you know. Our actor brains turned our, on. Our actor <laughs> brains turned on. And we were like, we want to develop some characters, you know, a little bit of a story just before the fight sequence happens. And then that turned into, well, let's write a full-fledged Star Wars fan film <laughs> um, with, you know, deve with uh, developing characters. We just got so into it. Like there was just one night where we started talking about it. And next thing you know, it was 2 a.m. We were all sitting in a circle just talking about these characters that we were conceptualizing. And we we're like, oh, this could be really cool. Um, so it took us, how long do you think it took to finalize the script? It took, we went through about eight drafts of the script over the course of about three and a half months. Um, I think just because Star Wars is kind of like my baby, <laughs> that I would really just almost every night look over our script and just think, okay, this is good. How can I make this better? Because if, if we're doing this, if we're going to commit to actually making our own Star Wars project in the best way that we possibly can, I want to make sure that, you know, no corners what cut. we come up with is going to actually be like my, you know, embodiment of what I think of Star Wars. Something you're proud of. Yeah, it was, it's been such a fun process. And like, for me, this is a, as a costume designer coming in from that perspective, it's a dream project to work on. Like it was so much work. Like I, but at the same time, I enjoyed every second of it. Uh, I went from sketching all the costumes out um, to buying all the pieces. Um, one, one of them, we have, a, uh, it's not really a spoiler. We have a Jedi Sentinel in our short film. So uh, going in and replicating that costume was so much fun to work on. And then designing the brothers was, was phenomenal because they're, um, I really wanted to put some imagery into their costumes. Um, could show some images, but yeah, I worked on the costumes for about four months or so. Um, Probably, probably five by the, by the time it was done. I'm curious, do you, when you're making um, fantasy character costumes, um, obviously you don't live in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, are, do you, are you able to sort of use, uh, you know, regular cost, uh, like clothing pieces or is everything custom? I'm just curious. So the boots were the only thing that we could kind of fake, like, cause you just need like high boots but everything right. else um, was made either from scratch or purchased from like an online Star Wars store. Like I didn't want to build, yeah. get another belt. So we ordered the Star Wars mm -hmm. belt off the Disney website. Cause I was like, I've made yeah. three belts now, order it. <laughs> right. But yeah, so all of it is custom. My character Siva's costume was probably the hardest to make. Um, second only to the Sentinel. Um, so yeah. Everything had to be custom. Wow. So um, in addition to costumes, what, what other, uh, like, you know, what else is involved in the, the production of your film? <laughs> props. A lot of props. I'll tell you here, we have a, a seeing stone. Oh my gosh, in our we production. gotta talk about the stone. Um, and, you know, we did a ton of location scouting all around Southern California, uh, basically yeah. everywhere and anywhere between San Diego and Los Angeles. We even went to the actual location that they shot Mandalorian. 
um, season two, episode six. Oh, wow. That's awesome. We we physically went there and looked up like the the coordinates, like the actual latitude and longitude coordinates of where they shot, like where they actually stood to film this stuff. And yeah, you know, obviously since we're having a seeing stone, we thought might as well go to the place they actually had their seeing stone, but it was was a super difficult hike to get up there. Oh, wow. And we know that they use, you know, they use trucks and golf carts and I'm sure they had things fly in and out. And unfortunately, that was a little bit too difficult for us. So we had to choose a different location. But got it. We did want a seeing stone in our production, um, just like the one you see in Mando. And so originally we were looking all over these canyons for a rock that sort of similarly resembled the one that we see in the show. Um, but you know, truthfully, it's it was just not too enough. perfect of a rock in Mando. And so we thought we have to build our own seeing stones. So we quite okay. literally did. It was, it ended up being around 300 pounds. Uh, wow. Dimensions it's made, four foot by three and a half. Right. It's, um, it's made out of wood and concrete. And yeah. Mesh. Yeah. Again, it's, it's over 300 pounds and we kind of had to haul it into a Canyon and then yeah. not only into a Canyon, but up this sort of mountain. So yeah, crew, wow. I think we had like seven guys, you know, and girls all Come on around, now. all around, and honestly, as many hands as we could get to get this yeah. massive, like quite literally, uh, uh, four foot by three. And four, a half. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a show accurate seeing stone. Like we even, wow. we even etched carvings bigger into than it. What they did, I think it is actually maybe even a little bit bigger than the one in the we show. We didn't intend for that, but it did. That's true. Gro- Grogu's scale figure is probably a little <laughs> hard to, <laughs> to, to figure out how big it is. I know. And, um, yeah. So we constructed a dolly. We popped it on a dolly, dragged it, um, wow. canyon up mm-hmm. the hill and it stayed there. We had it there for, um, for all the filming. It was insane, but it was so worth it. Um, because I was, we were filming, we were scouting people like, right, this is the seeing stone. I was like, this isn't, if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. Yeah. I don't want to find just a random rock in. Sure. I I want this to be good. So that sounds right. Yeah. So how long were you guys filming? So we're actually still still filming. filming. We've been filming for about five weeks now. Uh, Okay. And I think we have two more weeks left to go of filming of principal production um it's been it's been tough you know we've had 90 degree days where we're in the middle of this canyon standing on top of sheetrock kind of making alive but it's been it's kind of been a dream come true the nice part about where we're filming too is it, it really does almost feel like an alien it doesn't feel planet real. because there's no you know there's no signs of life anywhere uh, <laughs> right yeah yeah. And it's uh, interesting. We had, because uh, on Sunday, it was the 90 degree day. And my character is a Miri Allen Padawan, um, like Asafi and Luminara and Dooley. And so I am painted fully green. <laughs> and so I'd been pretty fine most of the days. But that Sunday was the first day that I had like drips coming down my head. So I had to completely keep reapplying my makeup like every five seconds. It was awful. But again, we got all the shots we needed. But that's just- that's just the um, complications of shooting outside because elements are just unpredictable. It's not like we're on a controlled set. How many of your characters have um, like elaborate makeup um, procedures, like who aren't, I guess, uh, a typical human person? So we have our two brothers are humans. Um, they do have some uh, scars and things like that. Like Richie's character has a, a gash across his arm that has scarred over. So I have to okay. do that every right. morning um, with like liquid latex and um, things like that. 
In terms of makeup, though, just, just Chanel's character is an alien species. Um, Our sentinel could be, but he's mad. Sure. He's under the full traditional sentinel. You can't see anything. Garb. Very, he looks, he looks very really cool. cool. He looks he's, so he's, he's got the best costume, honestly. He really does. Um, he looks so, so intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you, even your, um, you have lights, obviously you have lightsabers because of your Jedi and, and Sentinel and other. You do. Right. So again, going back to our, our third party, Kian, who uh, is our fight good at editing. He is so meticulous that he doesn't want to use, you know, uh, plugins or anything like that in the editing process. He wants to quite literally go frame by frame and animate the lightsabers. Um, so what we've been doing, we've been using like wooden dowels that you can get from Home Depot or Lowe's. We've been putting tracker dots up and down the, the dowels, using those to fight. And so that way, once we bring it into the editing room, he can fully track and, um, you know, produce the lightsaber effects over top of those. And so all of the lightsabers, um, well, most of the lightsabers in our film, I'd say it's half and half. Half and half. Half are actually have been constructed by us um, from scratch. We, you go to Home Depot, you get some plumbing parts, and <laughs> you solder and paint. And so uh, Richie's character's lightsabers fully his own. Totally. Um, yeah. I went to Home Depot, go to like the little plumbing tubing section, just picked out some that were like, oh, these parts look pretty cool. I wonder if I can make a lightsaber out of these. It's, it's quite literally a sink drain at yeah. the top, um, but it looks so cool. It looks like a lightsaber. Um, mm -hmm. And we're actually probably going to have to construct another one today. Um, right. We decided very last minute to throw in another lightsaber just for a very brief second. <laughs> we were like, all right, we got to make another one. So we're actually going to do another, we're going to do a full tutorial on our uh, YouTube and TikTok sort of showing how you could make your own custom lightsaber like it's not going to light up it's it's a training saber is what right kind of, it's because also with the force effects ones and the ones you buy offline you don't want to hit too hard especially if you're trying to fight uh, we kind of had that right. experience even with the stunt sabers that we've bought off um ultra sabers <laughs> that yeah even, even the ones that are like fully uh, like, you could fully swing them and sort of hit them around like what, what what we've been doing week after week after week they have actually been taking a beating yeah so if you yeah. really want to fight, you you need a training saber, which the, with the wooden dowel. So it's been an awesome experience doing that. I'm actually really excited to make another one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, behind the scenes with some of the stunt coordinators in the in the films and seeing a couple of like practice sequences and then the saber breaks or it bends and they, they're like, they had to like get a, some kind of like custom alloy for the, the actual saber because they were just breaking three, three minutes into a sequence and they had to We have backup battles on set because he actually wow. did break mm -hmm. the wood. One time we were fighting, like the wood actually did shatter one time. Wow. Because we've been using them so frequently. And y'all- That's are. crazy. Yeah, we do. How did you guys learn your, your lightsaber sequences or like, do, do you have any martial arts backgrounds? Like a, a few weeks ago, we spoke to a martial arts person who teaches lightsaber training, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I wondered how you guys learned your sequences. Yeah, so we have a fight choreographer attached to the project. And so he was actually truly tremendous. Uh, I didn't expect the level of, of uh, mastery that he actually did end up bringing to the table to the point that he sort of planned out everybody's fight style, lightsaber fighting style, before we even got into the project, you know, just reading the script, understanding who the characters are, thinking about what kind of lightsaber forms they would be using and everything like that. And 
we do have several different fights in our short film um, yeah. between the characters. So it was a lot of lightsaber fighting. We would have, we would quite literally have rehearsals every week for about three months. I think we would do a full day, like a full Saturday every, every, yeah, every week for three months where we would just run the fights over and over again. So that way when we get onto set, you know, it, you know, we've, we, it's in us. The fights are part of us. We're good. We can, we can run them full speed. Uh, they look good. You know, we, we know what to expect. Wow. So yeah. yeah, that's super cool. He did some phenomenal work. And I, I also like that he was open to your guys' suggestions. So like, there's a small section that like yeah. Richie and our Sentinel got to kind of choreograph, choreograph ourselves and he would just kind of approve it and be like, all right, that's really cool. Let's make it look more real. I like the idea that you're going with and he would kind of guide us that way. Um, I'm, I'm so happy with it. So he did great. Wow. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm honestly interested in your tutorial for how to make a, a lightsaber from the plumbing aisle of yeah. Home Depot. Even TikTok, it'll, I, be, it'll probably be up within the next two to three days. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely. I've all, I've talked to my, I've, my kids are super into Star Wars too. And I've kind of talked about like a, a rite of passage exercise of like building their own lightsaber, like a Padawan would, um, less with the force, but more with like picking out your custom elements and like taking the effort to craft it well i think that would be cool to see how you guys did it <laughs> yeah that's um, actually a little part of our short film as well is that uh, the padawan siva has to, yeah she lost her first lightsaber much like anakin does in you know attack of the clones what a fool. sure and so uh, her master elike is taking her to the seeing stone um to sort of construct her new lightsaber Wow. She's just going cool. to sit atop the stone just because they're they're sort of just passing by the planet. And he's like, you know what? I want you to sort of get this full Jedi experience. He takes her to the stone where the Sentinel is guarding over the stone. That's sort of, you know, his his job, what he's sent to the planet to do. And we have a sequence, uh, you know, a classic Star Wars sequence of her and the lightsaber parts all coming together. Wow. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm really interested to see how you guys pull off the effects of that. It sounds super cool. We're trying to do as much practically as we can. Um, just yeah. practical, practical always looks better in our opinion yeah. than, than having something animated. Obviously when we need to, we will reach out and, uh, you know, get some animation done. Yeah. I think but, we have, we have an external, um, person that is coming in literally just to animate the lightsaber coming together, um, because it's such a niche yeah. um, thing, Like, yeah. who knows how to do that very specific yeah. people so along with our main editing team we literally have one person coming in just for that moment wow yeah that's cool uh yeah practical wise like a, an effect that we do we do force speed a decent amount in our uh yeah in our short film and what we do quite literally for that we have a leaf blower guy <laughs> that we are going to credit as the leaf blower guy in our credits of our film and so what happens is he's off camera obviously and then when we book it uh when we go into the force speed um, yeah. obviously we'll speed the clip up. So it'll look like we're running, you know, five times faster than we actually are. And the leaf go right. guy is quite literally just blowing the dirt on the ground past our characters. So it looks like that's awesome. Picking up a ton of dust and dirt as they're running super fast. That's cool. Really? It feels very like true to the art form of star Wars using as many practical effects, um, instead of digital effects. So that's cool. That you guys are doing that. Absolutely. Which is what I loved about the Mandalorian. Um, oh yeah they use so many practical effects it, it just looks better and for me it's more fun because that means i get to make things uh yeah I get to make all the props and things like that 
Has your rebel cell recently relocated and your home base is in need of a renovation? Was your Jedi temple burned down by an angsty Skywalker and now you're looking to rebuild? Or maybe you're just trying to add a few smuggling compartments to hide in during an Imperial search. Well, Delta Designers is here to help. Delta is a nationwide network of architects and designers led by Chris and myself. If you're ready to start that home renovation you've been putting off, click on the link in the show notes or shoot us an email to Mike at deltadesigners.com. Mention Death Watch for $100 off a feasibility study and make a plan today. This This is the way. This episode of Death Watch is also brought to you by Skull Square Design Company. We're also huge fans of The Mandalorian as well as Star Wars in general. And we wanted to share that love by making gifts for our fellow fans of Mando and the Child. Whether you wanted some flair while enjoying your favorite beverage in Oga's Cantina, or wanted to covertly show your support to the Resistance while exploring Batuu, we've got gifts for everybody. And not just Star Wars fans, but Marvel and Disney fans too. Check us out at SkullSquared.com or follow us on social media at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in See y'all real soon! So what what has it been like? Obviously, you're shooting now in um, you know in a, a pandemic situation. How has that like been challenging or caused you to think differently or creatively? I'm just kind of curious what that's been like. Right. Um, so we certainly have to keep our sets on the smaller side in terms of the crew members that we have. We don't have any yeah. than seven people on the set at a time. Right. It could be easy yeah. to have a bigger you know a bigger number of people helping us out on these projects but um more guys with leaf blowers exactly. yeah more leaf we need like <laughs> it would just streamline the process but uh yeah it's we, we keep a, a core team when we're filming um only you know we only have people that are essential to what we're doing that particular day so we sort of review beforehand who exactly we need who we don't need and we sort of have to keep it to that to a strict small number of people um again with we have a covid compliance officer who's you know, just making sure that we're doing everything, you know, up to snuff, I guess. Um, yeah. And at the same time, it's sort of a, a rule on set that if you're not on camera, if your face is not being shown on camera, you have to have a mask on. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Now, granted, we are outside in the middle of this canyon, in the middle of a national park, but, you know, we're just going yeah. to play by the, by, by the rules. <laughs> so you didn't try to take the, the story element of, perhaps a pandemic during the high Republic and oh everyone's wearing surgical masks. Oh, man. <laughs> we got to rewrite. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, uh, unfortunately. But- I always like the, I feel like the, the cosplayers who have characters and helmets have been COVID ready for conventions for years. <laughs> well, first, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like our that's Sentinel cool. set. He's the good. Sentinel set. He's got the mask on at all times. Totally. So yeah, I didn't really ask at the beginning though, you know, what, what timeline, like, where does your story fit in the, you know, the broader sense of the, of the galaxy? So this takes place very much pre prequels. Uh, Okay. So this is when the Jedi reign supreme, it's the high Republic era. The Jedi are like these superheroes, poster boys. It's, it's when they're just, they're in charge of everything. Right. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't, I was thinking about giving it like a specific, you know, BBY year. Uh, sure. it, it truthfully doesn't really need it. It's just set during the course of the High Republic, during that thousand years where the Sith are sort of not in existence. They're sort of in hiding. The Jedi are yeah. sort of reigning supreme. 
in the galaxy. Uh, and so, yeah. Like Yoda's not even Grandmaster yet. Like we haven't reached. Got it. Very cool. So there's no newspapers blowing by that happen to say BBY 463. <laughs> Although, you know what? Those newspapers would have never said that because obviously at that time they didn't know they were before the Battle of Yavin. Right. Wait, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, in 73 years, the Battle of Yavin is going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, funny. The conflict just sort of comes between two Jedi. Um, yeah. You know, we have we have two brothers who are the sort of, you know, primary characters in the, in the film. Um, they are both Jedi Knights. They're like pretty recently appointed Jedi Knights pretty young. within the order. Um, I think yeah. we decided on like, you know, 24, 22 respectively. So they're like, they're pretty fresh into being Knights. One of them, yeah. Ella Kay, is sort of the embodiment of the Jedi Order. He quite literally accepts all of their dogma. He drinks the Kool-Aid, if you will. And it's just totally yeah. about being the idealistic Jedi. The other one, on the other hand, is, uh, is more prone to questioning. He sort of, you know, he thinks with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes the Jedi aren't necessarily using their powers in the most responsible way. They could be doing more, they could be doing better. Because of their affiliation yeah. with the government. Yeah, right. Right, everything. P perhaps a, a Qui-Gon Jinn type character. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, nice. And so the conflict comes into play between them when they find out that their home world of Dantooine is under attack by Trandosian pirates, pretty much. Uh, the Trandosians are coming to Dantooine to like their specific region to sort of strip the, that area of like the resources and Explain knowing people, knowing Trandosians and our good friend Bosk, he's they're most likely going to wipe out everybody that stands in their way. And so, uh, character Kynian, who's the more questioning of the Jedi goes to the council and says, listen, I understand that my planet is in the outer rim. I want you guys to help me because if you don't step in to help this process, people are going to die. Yeah. My home world is going to suffer. People are going to die. Um, the council pretty much says no. Again, we, you know, we have a line in there. I was just thinking about like, like a Star Wars excuse. And it's, you know, if we step in to help you in this region that is not our own in the outer rim, we're going to lose the support of the banking clan, Classic. you know, of course. <laughs> so, and so the conflict comes into play because obviously the two brothers see the situation as uh, very, they see it very differently. The one says, you know, it's not our responsibility. We, you know, we, we left, we left our home world behind. We are Jedi now. We have to do what we're told. You know, we have, we're dedicated to the Jedi order now and we have to, you know, we live our lives accordingly. The other one, of course, going back to that whole Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility, says we have this, this power now. We have the means to stop this ourselves, you know, uh, to hell with the Jedi Council. You know, we have an obligation to go help our homeworld. Our family is still there. And so that's where the conflict of the short film comes into play. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I like I like a good uh, a good tension between the characters mm -hmm. and the story. We really wanted to focus on relationships because um, that it's really the strongest part of the whole film. Right. I think coming from an acting perspective, um, one thing that I usually miss during a lot of uh, fan films that are Star Wars related is the sort of you know the relationships dynamic between the, all the characters. People are like, oh, I just, I wanna clash sabers and look cool. Right, and obviously you go to Star Wars to watch some lightsaber fights, but I think for us, especially coming from like a, a from an acting perspective, we really wanted to hit home with the relationships because again, that's, that's what I fell in love with with the original trilogy. It's just that, you know, 
the characters were super dynamic and their relationships were all super intricate. And, you know, I, I just wanted to write characters that people, oh, yeah, that felt real, you know, three-dimensional that people could really, you know, latch onto that sort of had more of the colloquial dialogue as opposed to more of the prequel dialogue. But don't worry, there's still lots of prequel-esque dialogue. To, he loves to sneak quotes in there, so. I do, there's, <laughs> there's a ton of quotes in there, so. They're sneaky. Yeah. Um, I I've I hope that you have snuck in a Jar Jar Binks quote because that would like be masterful. To, uh, we like to joke that the Sentinel um, is a Gungan. Is a Gungan. Yeah, that's uh, who who made that? Oh, Bill Burr makes that joke about uh, Mando. He's like, "Do you not want to take your mask off because you're a Gungan?" Right. Uh, you're a Gungan. That'd be great. Well, yeah, he's accurate. Bill Burr is is right. Yeah. Um, cool. So I, I I wonder what you guys feel like the sort of um, how your story fits in with like the legacy of Star Wars, um, what type of sort of like what the audience of your of your story, of your film is, who you think this is for? I, you know, I think as, as a Star Wars fan, I really just wanted to write something that really reigned true for me personally. Um, and I think I do genuinely, generally, share similar tastes to the to the star wars community um so i i think there's a little bit of something in here for everybody i think mm -hmm. well i could with with my favorite movies being the original trilogy i wanted to focus on like the relationship dynamics like that so i think you have strong characters um at the same time we do have a decent amount of lightsaber fighting so obviously there's that tons of force abilities um, so I think we really pulled from all eras of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, with like the seeing stone from the Mandalorian. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. So what do you guys think about, um, you know, the, the current state of Star Wars is such that it's kind of, it's, it's uh, widening to a bunch of, of new projects, um, it, you know the, the slate that was released last year, including more seasons of The Mandalorian, but other um, exploring other things like, you know, I, I kind of put Ahsoka and the Rangers of the Republic all in that like Mando um, realm, but the uh, the Visions story or the the Droid story, um, Lando, some of those things. How do you feel about like? where star wars is starting to head in the next 10 years i am i'm very excited honestly I'm, I'm not gonna lie i was a little uh thrown off with the sequel trilogy and listen i'm not i'm not really a sequel basher i think star wars yeah everyone you know i you know i think no actor in star wars deserves any hate they deserve yeah. all the love in the world because they gave it their all um that being said i felt that the sequel sort of detracted from the skywalker story particularly Personally, mm -hmm. um, there are obviously elements that I love. I love Kylo Ren, but I was a little off put. But I think once the Mandalorian rolled around, it sort of sort of rekindled a hope that I had in Star Wars. A new hope? A new hope, yeah, it did. It, rekindled <laughs> a new, it was a new hope for me. Uh, just because I thought the storytelling was stronger, it sort of fit more in lines of like what I perceive to be the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah. You know, the writing, the, the action, just sort of the the old west sort of fantasy of Star Wars, you know. Yeah. In terms of like the new series on like Ahsoka, Kenobi, um, oh, yeah. Book of Boba Fett, um, I just am so excited for them to be exploring these interesting characters. I feel like they're very much taking characters that 
the fans love and being like, all right, let's dive into this. Let's explore this character, which I am very excited for. I think my only gripe is that I wish that they just named the shows a little bit better because <laughs> no. like Ahsoka is just Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Obi-Wan Kenobi is just Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. I'm like, yeah. can we come up with a, something a little bit more interesting than just that? Book of Boba Fett. Kind of the same with Marvel Universe too. Again, WandaVision. Well, I guess that, that was kind That's of That's a cool name. But the, That's the, the, the one cool one. I was like, maybe something a little bit more interesting than just, you know, just throwing their names out there on the show. But Yeah. Uh, something cryptic, like, so when you announce the name, the entire storyline of the series isn't already readily apparent. Like saying the rise of Skywalker is cryptic enough that you don't really know what, what it's about. But saying Lando is pretty, <laughs> pretty direct. Yeah. 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 The, I will say we, we talked about this before. We hope the Lando series is structured kind of like how I met your mother, where it starts out with Billy D Williams talking about to, uh, to his daughter, the one we meet at the end of um, okay. rise of Skywalker uh-huh. um, and saying, well, back, back when I was blah, blah, blah. And then it flashes back to, um, uh, to Danny Glover or sorry, Donald Glover um, playing like the two of them playing the same character in the same episodes that would be pretty so dope. Awesome. I hope they do that. Yeah. That, that'd be a way of keeping him in keeping Billy D Williams in the series without, you know, having to make him do a lot of hardcore stunts at his age, but probably for the best um, at this point. Yeah, he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for the yeah. acolyte, especially uh, that yeah. really intrigues me. Cause I usually just associate acolytes with the Sith so I would yeah. if we get some sort of, you know, Sith story in there somewhere. Um, yeah. With the Lando show, I, I would love if they could continue the story of Solo. I know that it didn't do so well at the box office. I particularly... I, I like Solo a lot. Solo's yeah. great. I, I liked it yeah. a lot, actually. Origin stories. And yeah. I, just, I just wish that... I want to know what happens to Kira. I want to know what happens with Maul as now leader of the Crimson Dawn, like... I know that was a, such a, a huge bombshell to just sort of drop in there, especially because I feel like uh, Solo was a little bit more mainstream than perhaps Clone Wars or Rebels was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you're like, wait, that guy got cut in half and fell in a hole the last time I saw him. Well, how, how is he here now? Right. Um, we just it's, it's a pretty cool. He comes back in Clone Wars. Uh, his character is, is honestly one of the, the best. Yeah. Um, so heartbreakingly, like, scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that his demise in in Rebels is like that we were talking about it before. That's like the the poetic nature of the like antagonistic relationship that him and Obi Wan have. They're like mortal enemies, but like the closest friends. And so, like, they know each other more than anyone in the galaxy, and they hate each other more than anyone in the galaxy. Seriously. Um. So, yeah. I um. I mean, are there any other of those upcoming projects that you guys are excited about? I'm excited for the book of Boba Fett. Um, I think it'll be cool to explore maybe how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. I'm curious. I know we have that in Legends, but, you know, might as well just see uh, see what Disney canon comes up with now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm super excited for the Kenobi show. I was just When they released the the image of the cast and just seeing, you know, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, you know, as the two top billed stars of the show yeah that that it really sent me i mean i was driving at the time and i actually pulled my car over just so i could get a better look at that image that they released just because oh that that really excited me i've also been yeah um all you and mcgregor's posts like him totally back training it's been so like oh it's just so pure such a pure soul i can't wait to um see him on screen yeah 
no, he's going to be, uh, it's going to be great to see him back on screen. And I think the show is going to be really great. I, I meant to ask you, is it, how have you financed the film? Is this something you guys are doing kind of on your own or do you have outside help or yeah, so, are you fundraising or what? So I, before we really, really got into the nitty gritty of doing the film, um, a good friend of mine was like, you should probably reach out to Lucasfilm just so they know that you're doing the project and just, you don't break any of their rules and you know, the evil empire Disney, but we love you. Disney doesn't come after yeah. you. Um, yeah. And so I did, I got in touch with uh, the head of fan relations at Lucasfilm. You know, okay. I, I looked up the rules before everything that you can and can't do for producing your own star Wars content. Uh, send that over to him saying, you know, this is my understanding of the current rules and guidelines. Just tell me if I'm on the right track. And the guy who responded back to me, super sweet man, basically said, yeah, you have a pretty good understanding. We do have a pretty strict laundry list of things that you cannot do just because, again, it's our content, it's our IP. One of which yeah. is monetization. One of which Got is monetization. It. Yes, you can't monetize it all off of the film. You can't crowdsource okay. for it. Um, once you release it, there can't be any sort of monetization off of any public exhibition. So sure. the so majority of the film has been financed by ourselves. I think yeah. just again, because, you know, we are such fans of the content that it, it's worth it in a way. It's, yeah. uh, it's our luxury items for like the month is kind yeah. of what I've been seeing it as. Like I haven't been buying things Right. So, it's your like your your spending budget. Sure. It's yeah, not your, like, it's groceries. Going out to yeah. the movies and to the clubs and the bars, you know, instead we use that money and put it towards the short film. Yeah. That's kind of how I've been seeing it. It's like any extra money I would have spent on myself is gonna go towards this film. Um definitely have gone over budget, but you know what? At this point it's been worth it. So <laughs> so worth it. Yeah. Um, I really don't regret it at all. Yeah. And again, split between the three core team members, it's you know. We, we balance it out pretty well. Um, we kind of take over our jurisdiction. Um, and if right. we ever need help, if we feel like we're going a little bit over, the other person's always happy to, to, to pitch in. Sure. It's been really I think a nice part is that we're all, we sort of all have expertise in a specific field in the short film um, so that we don't really have to outsource for a lot of things. Um, for instance, Chanel is, is an incredible costume designer who's costume designed three off-Broadway shows. So like she has a knowledge of like how to quite literally make all of these fantastic Star Wars costumes from scratch or in a way, or in a way to do it as cheap, but also as effective as possible. And then you're our, he's our director, writer. So he's kind of like the story. He's the heart behind this, this film. Like on set, he's making sure that everyone's emotions are on point every, the, the film is going in the right direction i'm just such a big star wars nerd i'm like no 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 that's not gonna that doesn't fit canonically <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> yeah. can't do that uh yeah and then our our other guy Kian. um kian is fantastic at at editing again and he's also yeah the fight choreography and everything like that and, so and special effects so he'll be on set being like all right if i'm gonna edit um if i'm gonna keyframe this out i need a still shot i need you to run across the screen so he almost directs us in that way yeah that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like an awesome project. You guys, you clearly seem super proud of it. And, um, you know, I can't wait for it to come out and hope that uh, this effort and, and it brings you publicity and, and turns into more uh, opportunities for you in the future. Hey, that would be awesome. Um, so, 
guys, thanks for taking some time to talk to us about your project. Um, what's the best way for people to find out about it or follow you? Where can they find it? Yeah, sure thing. So eventually we're going to release the short film on YouTube. Again, it's going to be called Balance of the Force. We're probably looking at a late summer, early fall release date. But if you want to follow us in the meantime and track our progress, you can follow us on Instagram or TikTok. On TikTok, we are Balance of the Force. And on Instagram, we are Balance of the Force Film. Um, And we've been posting a lot of behind the scenes content, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of just our progress, our pre-production progress, sort of, you know, while we're filming, everything like that. There's a lot of Star Wars tutorials um, in terms of like when I was making all of the costumes, um, I would just post how I was doing it. I would do like a step-by-step. Cool. I figured people would be interested in that. Um, Yeah. I would be. Um, costume tutorials prop tutorials um, um, we're going to be posting some edits uh, i think yeah. uh, our editor is going to do some adobe tutorials while he's working on the film which is going to be fun mm-hmm. the youtube awesome. channel doesn't have anything right now we have like one video but we're actually going to start um putting content on there yeah we're gonna start maybe transferring some of our tiktok com- content onto the youtube channel as well as yeah. expanding upon the sort of do-it-yourself tutorials that we've already posted but definitely yeah. TikTok is our main um, platform, I would say at this point, at the current moment, we yeah. hope to expand, but so thanks for, for, uh, taking the time to be with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Of thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Anytime we can talk about Star Wars is, is a good day. Yeah. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, please subscribe or share it with your friends on Apple Podcasts. We, we can't express how helpful that is for people finding our show and getting connected with us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Death Watch Podcast, on Twitter at Death Watch Cast, and uh, on TikTok at Death Watch Cast. If you have any comments or omission suggestions, you can email us at deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com and we will feature it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This This is is the the way. way.